0: Good evening, we're in James chapter 3. Last week we looked at verses 1 and 2. Tonight we'll read verses 3 to 12. If you have a Bible, that's James 3 and verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is God's word. In James chapter one, verse 26 and 27. If you recall, he gives three markers of true faith, what true faith looks like. How do you make the distinction between someone who who claims to be a Christian and who really is a believer? And James, in those two verses in chapter one, gives three indications of how Christianity impacts a person's life. Number one, the tongue. Number two, our care and our love and concern for those in need. And number three, resisting worldliness and each of these three areas he takes up in his letter the second which is love and concern for those in need James deals with primarily in chapter 2 he deals with the tongue in chapter 3 and then from the end of chapter 3 to the end of the book of James the author tackles worldliness and our separation from the world as believers which again is a marker of our professed faith so that we're separate in a way that we love the world and having a concern and a desire for its best interest. But at the same time, we do not love the world in that we do not get embroiled. We do not get caught up in the worldliness, the temporal and ungodly thinking that prevails around us. And James in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, has applied the teaching about the tongue to teachers. But as we saw, and as we will see more clearly today, James's words about speech doesn't only apply to teachers, but to all believers. James 3, verses 3 to 12, which we have just looked at, is a big illustration of the point made in verse 2. Let's look quickly at verse 2. Uh, That's James 3 verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways and if anyone does not stumble in what he says he is a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body which picks up on what he has said in, in verse 26 of chapter 1. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart this person's religion is worthless. James has inaugurated the principle that the tongue is of central concern to our growth in grace, to our living of the Christian life. So what he does in James 3 verses 3 to 12 illustrates that and applies that over and over in different ways. I want to look at it in five ways that James gives us five ways in which the tongue is important. The first of the five is the tongue holds a key place in holy living. The control of the tongue is a prime component of sanctification. In verses three to five, James explains that the tongue is important because the tongue holds a key place in holy living. Its control is a prime component in our sanctification. He argues in verses 3 to 5 that the tongue is disproportionately influential as a member of our body. He gives two really great illustrations in verses 3 and 4. The first is the horse and bridle. And he just points out that this, this small instrument, you know, the bridle, used by a skilled rider, can guide such a powerful and large animal with ease. And James says the same thing is true of the tongue. Yes, the tongue is disproportionately small, but it has disproportionately large influence on us as people. It has a great impact on our lives. Look at what he says. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. He uses the first illustration to emphasize the relative importance of what we say. The second illustration of the ship in verse four is similar, isn't it? And bear in mind that this is from the days of those great sailing vessels which would have been driven by sails and wind. And he said that even a large storm in a, sorry, even a large ship in a big storm where the wind is blowing and howling in all directions, it's guided by a pilot through a really small instrument, the rudder. And again, he's just pointing out the disproportionate influence of the tongue through the illustration of a ship's rudder. The point is that the tongue is capable of tremendous influence. And we know that. That in some way that, that is in some ways a common sense or a common grace truth. Perhaps you've been inspired in your life at different points to carry on, to press on by the words of someone else. Sometimes there are words in great crisis. In the Imperial War Rooms in London, the speeches of Winston Churchill during some of the darkest days of the Second World War are played. You move from one room to another, or or, or at least you can when lockdown isn't with us, and you can hear Hitler giving memorising speeches at Nuremberg which are rallying thousands and thousands of Nazis and then you go into another room and you hear Winston Churchill's reply as he speaks to the nation and he calls us to resolute opposition to those who would invade and end our way of life. I quote, "He, we gave you the choice between honour and war. You chose dishonour and you shall have war. I was ready to go and sign up myself after hearing that speech. It moves us, doesn't it? It moves us greatly. I would say the same about speeches that are made in our current day, in our current crisis. I think of certain speeches of the Prime Minister and of the Queen. Words can be used powerfully in our life. But we do not have to look to things quite so grand as speeches by our leaders to prove the point that the tongue is disproportionately influential. We know that in everyday living. Fathers recognize this experience when when something is going wrong and the child is doing something that he or she shouldn't be doing. And as the father sits down to talk with the child, you start conjuring up in your own mind, well, what did my father tell me when I did this? And and you're looking for wisdom to share today. And sure enough, something that your own parents comes back to mind and then comes out of your own mouth involuntarily. And you find those phrases that your parents impressed on you coming out in your speech as you deal with your own children. You see how the power of speech can impact and can last. Many of us, all of us, remember times that were difficult. When words of encouragement from friends were the difference between despair and hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Words have been so influential in my life. Just a little word of encouragement. You'll never know, some of you, how much just that little word of encouragement can lift somebody up. But the the opposite is true as well, isn't it? Our words can lift up or they can cut, destroy and discourage. The tongue is so influential. And James is stressing just how powerful, how disproportionately powerful the tongue is. Oh, brothers and sisters, the control of the tongue leads to a master control over our lives and over ourselves. And the first thing, and it resonates with me, and I'm sure it resonates with you, that the tongue, can you not see, has such a key place in holy living, in what it means to be a Christian. If we're paying attention at all to the desire to be more like Jesus. If we are paying attention at all to the desire to live what we say we believe, not just to be hearers, but to be doers also if we are paying attention at all to wanting to grow in holiness, then James is saying, and I don't think he needs to tell us, the one area you must attend to is the tongue. You have to think about your speech and what your speech says about you, about your holiness, about your growth in grace, what that means for us as Christians. Do you realize how important the tongue is? In your sanctification, what does your tongue say about you? What does your tongue say about your need for grace? So James's first point, and his most, his foremost point, is to press home that the tongue, the tongue, is key to living a holy life. Secondly, second to five, the tongue has enormous power for actual harm, so we dare not neglect. The discipline of our tongue. And that's at the end of verse 5 and verse 6. And it's simply this that the tongue is, yes, it's enormously influential, but it has massive power to harm. It has enormous power for actual harm. We dare not neglect the discipline of it. Be- because of the very capacities of the tongue for influence, it is capable of doing enormous harm. So James gives us another illustration in verse five after the illustration of the horse and of the ship is one of fire that reminds us of the fires recently in Australia, for example, because James says that a small fire can burn down a large forest. And James says in verse six that a tongue is just like that. It has the power to defile the whole body and the whole Course of life. The tongue has the power to defile the entire body and the whole course of life. In fact, he says in verse 6 that the source of that kind of use of the tongue is hell. And James is simply pointing out the fact that though the tongue can be used for great encouragement, it correspondingly can be used for damage and for harm. It can destroy, talk, birds. It can redirect the course of life. It can destroy a family. It can divide a church. We always knew, didn't we, that when a mother said that sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never harm you, that they were just saying something to make you feel better. Because words do hurt more than any stick or stone we ever felt. Parents know the harm that words can do. The words can harm. Children can be so cruel in the words that they use against each other. Christians can be cruel in the words that they use against each other. Words that are intended to bite. And these words can cause divisions and damage that are never repaired. James is saying that the tongue is important because it's influential, point one. And point two, the tongue is enormously important. Because it can do so much damage. My third point of five. The tongue is humanly uncontrollable. So we have to turn outside of ourselves for help to tame it. In verses seven and eight, James says that the tongue, humanly speaking, is uncontrollable. The tongue is humanly uncontrollable. So we have to turn to a source outside of ourselves to help tame it. The tongue is an indisputable evidence of the need for divine grace. Again, James takes a common illustration. In verse 7, he says that humans can train animals. They cannot train tongues. The circus, sea well, the aquarium. You see, humans have an incredible ability to train animals who are not normally domesticated, to do incredible tricks. Dolphins, otters, lions, elephants are incredibly amazingly used by, taught by humans to do amazing things. And yet James says, though humans can teach beasts to do tricks, they cannot tone their own tongue. It is an ongoing, unavoidable evidence of the power of sin. James is indicating that we have to go to outside help to change our speech because our tongue reveals where our heart is. Our heart is not the solution to the tongue. So the people who tell us that we need to look within and find the goodness within have no solution for the tongue. The tongue is a problem, is a heart problem. So if you're going to solve the tongue problem, which is a heart problem, you cannot look at the heart. You have to look elsewhere. See, James is pointing us to the grace of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We've seen that the trouble that the tongue can cause in church, it can affect us in different ways. Gossip, nagging, lying, boasting, sarcasm, building self up by cutting other people down, sharing rumours that can cause division in a family or in the church. And all of these point to a sin problem, a heart problem, That cannot be solved by ourselves it can only be saved by the grace of God in the Lord Jesus so whether we are Christians struggling with this sin or whether we are non-christians struggling with this sin the only place to go is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ for the answer a non-christian needs to run to the Lord Jesus to be transformed to be changed Not to turn over, not to turn over a new leaf, but to be changed from the inside out by the grace of God. And believers need to see that when we're not acting like Christians, when we're committing these sins of the tongue, we need to pray to the Lord Jesus for grace that we might grow, that we might stop this use of the tongue. And we instead use the tongue for for, for um, encouraging, for building up for godly purposes. So James is telling us that humanly speaking the tongue is uncontrollable and therefore it is important because it shows us our need for God's grace. And my fourth point of five is the tongue reveals deep-seated inconsistencies in spiritual life. The tongue, though made by God to be a blessing, Is used for both good and evil, even by professing believers. Have you noticed in verses 10 and in verse 12, James repeats the phrase, my brothers. In other words, James is talking to brothers and sisters in Christ, yet they're struggling with inconsistency in their language. James doesn't tell us what that consistency is. Maybe he hints at it in the words boasting. Maybe he's speaking of prideful speech. But sins of the tongue are... Almost too many to list. He could have been speaking about lying. He could have been speaking about misleading. He could have been speaking about gossiping. He could have been speaking about cynical, sarcastic, cutting speech, designed to cut another person down. There are numerous things that fall under sins of the tongue. But he characterizes them all as, in verse 8, the tongue is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. And then he observes the tongue is used both to worship God and to malign those who are made in the image of God. And he says, brothers, it should not be this way. James is saying that the tongue itself and its use and and its misuse reveals deep-seated inconsistencies in spiritual life. Oftentimes when we see something about ourselves we do not like, we downplay that sin. Other sins are big, but our sin is a nice little sin. It's not a real problem. And what is James saying in verses 8 to 10? That the tongue is a big, big, big problem. It is a real problem. So when you see yourself using the tongue for blessing and for cursing, James has said it's showing a deep inconsistency in the Christian life that must be corrected. We must run to God for grace. It requires humbling ourselves in prayer before God to confess our sins to consider the way that we're talking and to be extra diligent and vigilant in how we monitor the use of our tongues. And fifthly of my five points, the tongue is an index of the heart. In verses 11 and 12, James tells us the tongue is an index of the heart. It not only reveals deep-seated inconsistencies, but it shows us what's really going on in our heart. And yet again, James is following Jesus, because Jesus says in Matthew 15, verse 10, hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Both of these illustrations that James uses in verses 11 and 12 bear out that point. A fountain cannot send out both fresh and bitter water, and a fig tree cannot produce olives any more than a vine can produce figs. The point is that hypocrisy in speech reveals a problem of the heart. Inconsistency in speech reveals a heart problem that needs a remedy. If we are believers, that heart problem is the remedy of sanctification. But sanctification is not only going to involve God working in us, but our striving as well. Philippians 2 verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, Not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Paul is stressing that God is at work in our growth and grace and we must be at work in our growth and grace. This is totally different from justification. We do not work at justification. God works by Christ to accept us as his children. But as we grow in grace, we must strive to. For the unbeliever, there is no work that one can do. The only thing you can do is to renounce your work because your work will never save you. The only thing you can do is to apply to Christ for grace, to trust him that he can change you, even in the area of speech. Now, James says that our speech says something about our heart. And because of that, The tongue is important. May God grant us mercy that we would grow as a congregation in showing the mind of Christ, our saviour in the things that we say. May God bless this word for his glory and for our eternal good. May God be with you.